Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Martinez. April 4th, 2019, that's the date today. And we've got a show. we got some great stuff. The Final Four starts on Saturday uh, with the National Championship on the following Monday. The Women's Final Four starts tomorrow, uh, Friday. Uh, MLB, no, I guess, marquee games over the weekend. But the season, I guess you could say, is officially in full swing. Opening week has ended today. As the, season op- the season opened last Thursday. That's why we had an episode last Wednesday. If you haven't already listened to that episode, go ahead and go back, listen to that, and then come back right where you left off on this episode. And uh, some surprises, I guess you could say, to come to start the season. Uh, the Red Sox are horrendous. They are just terrible. They're literally the worst team in all of baseball. They're one and six, I believe, or one and five. Uh, doesn't make it that much better. They're they're off to a, a dreadful start. Nothing to be overly alarmed at okay it's not the worst thing in the world or the season's not over it's the first week of the season we are so far away from October but it is something I do think they should be somewhat concerned about I mean you're the reigning and defending World Series champions and you're off to a one and five start Uh, the starting pitching has been the worst in baseball they have an ERA over 12 right now Uh, it's just a mess but nothing that can't be fixed Um, the Yankees are just banged up beyond like half their roster is on the injured list it's not no longer the disabled list it's the injured list now uh they're really banged up uh the dodgers are red hot the brewers are red hot out of the gates so uh we're going to talk some uh, baseball today specifically the two big fish that are still left on the free agency market dallas keichel craig kimbrell um you know they're still free. They don't. They're not on a team still. The season's are We've already gotten started, and they're still out there, free agents. So, uh, going to be listing some teams there that should be interested and potentially make a move, a one-year or a two-year deal uh, on either or both of those guys. But first, we're going to start off with. Uh, oh, and then we got quote of the week. Quote of the week is back. I promised you we'd have quote of the week, um, and we got a good one. We have a great quote of the week. So. We're going to close out the show real strong later on. But let first, let's get started. College basketball. The Final Four is set. And it begins on Saturday, April 6th uh, at 6 o'clock Eastern with Auburn and Virginia. Those are the first two teams. And then the last two teams in the Final Four, Texas Tech and Michigan State at 845 Eastern time. You may notice the team I did not list the Duke Blue Devils, who were the most popular champion pick in all of bracket, all the brackets made in America. Duke was the most popular champion pick. Now, I can't go around and gloat as much as I maybe would like to uh, because I picked Carolina to win the whole thing, and they're also not in the Final Four. So I can't get too ahead of myself. But what I can do is promote... I can say I, I was right... Because you may recall way back when in August, September, October, like when the season was starting and, uh, you know, the Maui Invitational and Duke was just putting on a show and they were the hottest team. They're still the hottest team in the, in the country, the most talked about team in the nation. Uh, as recently as last week in the tournament, they were the most talked about and still the most dominant team in the nation. But I told everyone way back when in October or November in Feast Week, they're not making the Final Four. 
you can go back and check me on that. Now, I know you, if you want to you know, hold me accountable, please do. My bracket was not perfect. Okay, No one else was. Um, but I did say they were not making the final four. No way, no how. And I didn't have them in the final four on my bracket. Um, a lot of people did. Like I said, they were the most popular champion picked out of all other schools in the entire country. Duke was the favorite. And I said they would absolutely not make the Final Four. They made me sweat a little bit. I'm not going to lie. When they played Michigan State, I was getting a little, a little bit scared because uh, I made that, that proclamation way back when. I've stuck by it all season long. And they came, I mean, an inbounds play away from making me look like an idiot. But they didn't, so I don't. I, I've told you guys since the very beginning, veteran teams are who wins, or is who wins the national championship. Every year. Veteran teams are the teams that make it to the final four. Veteran teams are the teams that pull off the upsets. The teams you've never heard of it before in your life. They're veteran teams. They have juniors and seniors all across the starting lineup. They know how to handle games. They know how to handle themselves when they get down. They don't get too high or too low uh, when they go on a run or the other team goes on a run. Those are usually... You don't see Missouri Valley dance in technical school loaded with five freshmen, upset Duke, upset Michigan State. It's always Loyola Chicago last year made the Final Four, and they had like two seniors on that starting lineup. The rest of the starting lineup was sophomores and juniors. They were a veteran team. Uh, I listed a few weeks, well, not even a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and I I tried to back up my statement even further, all the Final Fours I've listed to you going back to like 2012 because I was the last team that was led by a true freshman, a superstar, um, a one-and-done player that won the national championship. That was in 2012, and that guy's name was Anthony Davis. That was it. And then you let Duke. They had some freshmen on that team as well. They had Jalil Okafor, uh, Grayson Allen, but he was coming off the bench, uh, Quinn Cook. But that was it. In the past eight, eight years, there's only been two teams that have made the Final Four and won the national championship led by uh, freshmen, excuse me, by one-and-done players. Young young teams, the diaper dandies, as Dick Vitale likes to say. Let's look at the starting lineup. Excuse me. Yeah, let's look at the starting lineups for the team that are the teams that are in the Final Four this year. Just to illustrate my point, that's why I picked Carolina because they were a veteran. Let's and even still, I kind of I I didn't fully buy into my own philosophy. They had Kobe White and Nasir, Nasir Little. Um, you know, vital aspects of that team. They were both freshmen, and they ended up losing. So, well, let's go ahead and get, I'm not going to, you know, gas myself up too much because again, I don't have the final, I don't have a perfect final four, but anyway, Michigan State, or let's, let's save Michigan State for last because I really want to drive home the point on, on them. Uh, Virginia, let's start with them. Kyle Guy, Jr. Ty Jerome, Jr. DeAndre Hunter, the youngest starting, uh, the youngest member of the starting lineup for the Cavaliers, sophomore. Mamadi Diakite, redshirt junior. Jack Salt, redshirt senior. Texas Tech, Jared Culver, sophomore. Matt Mooney, redshirt senior. David Moretti, sophomore. Narenzi Odiase, redshirt senior. Tariq Owens, redshirt senior. Auburn, Bryce Brown, senior. Jared Harper, junior. Malik Dunbar, senior. Anthony McLemore Jr., Chuma Okiki, I'm going to include him in, uh, in this starting lineup. I know he's done for the year, but he's been a part of them this whole run of the tournament, even still a sophomore. So out of everyone I just listed, let's get to Michigan State. 
the last school, and I saved them for last for a reason because they were the ones who beat Duke. Cassius Winston Jr., Joshua Langford Jr., Matt McQuaid Sr., Kenny Goins Sr., Nick Ward Jr. So all four teams in the Final Four, between all four of them, not one freshman is in the starting lineup. Out of all the teams in there. And it's not an accident. Okay, it's not a coincidence. I told you guys from day one of the season, Duke will not make the Final Four. They had three, four freshmen starting on that team, right? You had Trey Jones, uh, Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, and R.J. Barrett. Yes, four starting freshmen. And they're great players. It's not that they're not good players. They're all going to go on, and they're going to have better careers in the NBA than Kyle Guy, than Jack Salt, than Cassius Winston. Absolutely. But in college basketball, if you are about winning national titles, you have to ride with the veteran teams. Jay Wright is the one who really drove that point home. He won two national titles in three years. And I don't think he had a freshman in their starting lineup. He had guys that were veteran, veteran players, juniors, seniors, sophomores. And then his second national title, that was an even more dominant performance in the tournament than the first one. Why? Because all those, most of the guys that were on that team won the first one and had plenty of postseason experience. So... It's all about veteran teams in the tournament. I did have, I will kind of pat myself on the back here a little bit. I did have Texas Tech in my final four. As bad as my bracket was, it kind of shaped out a little bit. Now, I can't say it's even a good one or a decent bracket because, again, I picked North Carolina to win the whole thing. They're done. I'm saying that right now. I'm not hiding anything. There's no skeletons in the closet. But I did have Texas Tech and Virginia in the final four. As much as everyone kind of wrote off Virginia because of last year, and they got up to a slow start this year against Gardner-Wim. But after that, because they're veterans, because they've been there before, literally losing, to a la- losing last year to a 16th seed team, they knew how to handle themselves. And last year, they weren't old enough. They weren't experienced enough. They weren't mentally tough enough to handle a UMBC run. And then it just blew up in their face and they became the greatest upset in college basketball history. And this year, they go down to Gardner-Wim because they've seen that before. They were able to handle it, and then they blew out Gardner-Webb by 80 points. And then they run through the rest of the tournament. Texas Tech, a team that I've had in the Final Four, a dark horse team. I had Virginia Tech in my Final Four also because I thought they would beat Duke because they were a veteran team. But Texas Tech, I had in my Final Four. Why? Because they play great defense. I told you that from the very beginning, and they've surprised, surprised. Everyone's so shocked that Texas Tech played, plays defense, and they shoot they shoot the three well, respectively. They shoot it well enough that they make enough to uh, complement their defense. They can just put you away. They hit enough to just put you away with their defense because you're not going to be able to score on every possession against Texas Tech. But let's go back to Michigan State. The reason why I saved them for last because they were the team that beat Duke, who is now the poster program for one and done. It used to be John Calipari in Kentucky. Coach K got into the one-and-done business, and they've done a much better job at it than Kentucky. Um, they beat Duke. It was a close game. I mean, they didn't, they didn't decisively handle Duke by a 14-point win, double digits. I mean, Zion, single-digit. But it was nothing like that. Zion had like 29, I think. I mean, another double-double. But he didn't take over the game. If you watched the game, which I'm sure you did because it was probably the most popular. This is the best college game, I think, of the season. Um... Zion had he got his his points 
He was not a, a quiet member of the game, but he didn't dominate. It never felt like there was a moment where Zion truly dominated the pace of the game and just the play itself as he normally does. And I, I attribute that to Tom Izzo and to their veteran starting lineup. They out-rebounded Duke. They outran Duke, um, which is what I said earlier, why North Carolina beat Duke in you know, the first two go. Uh, the first two games between North Carolina and Duke, North Carolina won because they ran Duke out of the, out of the gym. And that's what uh, Michigan State did. I think the fast break points were more than doubled up in Michigan State's favor. Um, they ran on Duke. They out, especially in the first half, I noticed they're rebounding. They really commanded the boards uh, in the first half. Uh, Trey Jones, I have to give it to him. He had a great game. All of a sudden, Trey Jones figured out how to shoot the three-pointer. And I was like, okay, there's no... this. It's unbelievable. If, if Trey Jones is hitting threes on Duke, they're unbeatable. Uh, but he didn't hit enough. They lost by one. Um, and everyone's tearing down R.J. Barrett because they lost, because he was the one who missed the free throws. Um, and mind you, and I said this also, I keep telling everyone, I mean, okay, let me. Just, I'm getting ahead of myself here. R.J. Barrett missed the free throws, the front end of uh, you know two, two free throws, to, which would have tied the game. They ended up losing by one. Uh, then he makes, he tried to intentionally miss the second one to get a rebound and then, you know, put back and tie the game. That one he, end up, he ends up making, ironically. He tries to make the first one, he misses it, and he tries to miss the second one, and he makes it. And everyone is tearing down R.J. Barrett. Just a week before that, the golden boy, Zion Williamson, misses free throws as well against UCF. And who is it who gets the rebound and the putback to win the game? It's R.J. Barrett. So stop tearing down R.J. Barrett. Should he have made the free throws? Yes, absolutely. But now all of a sudden, we like, we like free throws now. All basketball season long, I've been trying to tell you how important free throws are in both the NBA and in college. No, free throws are boring. Free throws don't matter. Who cares? Nobody cares about free throws. Then suddenly R.J. Barrett misses the front end of a, you know, two, two free throws, and he's the worst player in college basketball. He's a choker. He can't finish games, and now he, he's not... I even heard on ESPN that his game is not going to translate to the NBA. Where did that come from? So suddenly free throws are important now. Something else that I've been telling people about for months now. And it was only perfect this weekend that Duke lost to Michigan State. It would have been even more perfect they lost to Virginia Tech, but that's, that's more of a selfish issue. But it was perfect that they lost to Michigan State. Why? Because it just illustrated my point. Veteran teams know how to handle themselves in the tournament. And Duke was up. Duke had Michigan State down double-digit points. I want to say that it, the largest lead was like 14 points or 11 points. It was in the double digit, digits for sure. And that was in the first half. I mean, Duke got out and started running to close out the half. And then Michigan State went on a little run to kind of shrink the lead a little bit. I think they brought it to um, nine points or eight points at halftime. But they were down. Michigan State was losing that game. Duke was up. And they had all the momentum in the world. It looks like they, they took complete control. And uh, even watching the game, I felt like, okay, it, it's over. Michigan State, you know, th- they had all the momentum in the world. But Michigan State, being a veteran team, they've been down before in tournaments, in regular season games, in their conference tournaments. They faced deficits. They faced tough atmospheres. They've faced, they've lost games in the tournament, has this Michigan State team and as has every other team in the Final Four, none of these teams have had a national championship recently or most of these teams ever. So Michigan State got down. They didn't panic. They went on their own run. 
And I feel like Duke did panic. Because that's something else, part of my assessment of Duke. They're a defensive team. As much as we like to pay attention to R.J. Barrett 30, Zion Williamson 30, as we should because those are big numbers, they are a defense, a defense first team. So they don't play well when they're behind. You know, like Virginia, the same thing. Virginia does not play well when they're down. Um, you know, that's kind of just a stylistic, you know, trade. If you're a defensive team, it's harder for you to get things going offensively. Uh, but Virginia, for the, they haven't been down for the most part in this tournament because they've, they've played so well. You know, they haven't been down uh, much since the first round. But anyway, back to Duke. I feel like they got down against Michigan State and that threw them off the rhythm because now they have to focus on scoring rather than the, than holding their lead and getting stops. And I think they just, it, you know, it was a close game. It was only a one-point game, like I said. It wasn't a dominant win by Michigan State, but it was an illustrative win by Michigan State. It proved my point exactly. Veteran teams are always going to win the March Madness Tournament. Always. And it's not just Michigan State. I already listed the rest of the three teams, the rest of the four teams in the Final Four. There's not a single freshman starter between the four of them. Not one. No, no, none of these teams got here on a fluke. It was, it's no accident that any of these teams are here. And mind you, I also did say one seeds rarely get there. Too. There's only one one seed being Virginia in, uh, in the Final Four. I had two one seeds again. I did have Virginia and I had Carolina. And then, they, uh, you know, also illustrated my point. They lost to Auburn, who's loaded with, you know, seniors and juniors and one sophomore being Chuma Okiki. Uh, you know, wishing him well. Side note, terrible injury he suffered against Carolina. Um, he won't be able to play, obviously, during the Final Four and then potentially during the National Championship. But he was a vital part of their run to the Final Four. So, and North Carolina had, two, like I said, two starting freshmen on their team. So, they were led by seniors in Cam Johnson and Luke May, but they did have freshman players in their starting lineup. Now, it's not, that's not to say that the formula is to not start any freshmen. The formula is to build teams. You're not going to have the flash or the attention because, of course, you're not. People are going to pay attention to Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Duke, Kentucky. But those guys aren't even... Kentucky's not in the tournament anymore either. Duke's gone. Okay, it's, You're never going to have the flash of the one and dones. And those are the best players. They truly yeah, they're the most talented players. I mean, there's no even arguing that Zion Williamson is more talented than any one of these players left in the final four hands down but as a team as a whole these veteran teams with seniors and juniors and even sophomores who have been there before they are the better teams in the postseason Uh, I cannot wait to see these games I am rooting for a, let me see who's playing each. Auburn and Virginia are playing the first game, and then Texas Tech, Michigan State. If I have, if in a perfect world, in my perfect world, I am rooting for Virginia and Texas Tech because those are two defensive teams, but they are fun defensive teams. Uh, Virginia, they have great three point shooters. Um, Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome. Texas Tech gets after it. They can run, they play physical defense. They're fun to watch. Both of these games, I don't. If you think these games aren't going to be good, you're not a basketball fan. You're, I, I hate to say it, you're, you're a casual, really, because just because there's no Kentucky, there's no Duke, Zion, Williamson, I don't think this takes away anything from the tournament. These are going to be fantastic games. I cannot wait 
to watch Texas Tech again. Their game in the Elite Eight was so much fun to watch with Gonzaga. That game came down to the absolute wire. There were a few no calls both ways, but it was a fun, exciting game. I can't wait. If I'm rooting for two teams, which I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I am. I'm rooting for Virginia and Texas Tech. And between those two schools, it's hard for me to pick one because I like both of those programs. I'm kind of rooting for Texas Tech because I had them in my final four, as I did Virginia, but Texas Tech was a dark horse, which kind of makes me feel a little bit proud of myself that I got at least one school in there that was you know, kind of hard to pick. But anyway, veteran team. That it always, that's always going to be my formula for picking brackets. Those are always going to be my favorites to win the national title and get to the final four. It, it was just, it was a great week for me because even I mean even though my bracket was not perfect and newsflash no one there wasn't a person on this planet who had a perfect bracket I think there was only seven thousand out of seventeen million who had a perfect final four so I'm gonna defend myself a little bit there if you're one of the seven thousands well hey kudos to you buddy um, but it just made it was just a perfect you know, illustration for everything that I've said all year long. Free throws are important, as we saw again with Duke. If uh, R.J. Barry hits two free throws, they probably win that game. They go into overtime, or they even force a steal because they're a great defensive team, and then they get a run out and a dunk to win the game. Uh, free throws are important, and veteran teams go to the Final Four and win the national championship. And it's a guarantee. There will be a team hoisting the trophy with a senior starter multiple senior starters there's only two teams who have anything less than or younger than a junior starting that is virginia and that is texas tech auburn and michigan state both have everything older than a sophomore so it it just proved my point it was a great weekend it's going to be another great weekend of basketball this saturday um with the final four games and then monday with a national championship which i've had my gripes with too i mean why is the national championship on a Monday in both football and basketball. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's just so stupid. What they should do, now I'm getting off on a different tangent, but just to close out this whole idea, what they should do is they should have the Final Four on a Thursday. They should have it today because it's close to the weekend anyway. The first round in the Final Four and then have the National Championship on a Sunday. That way you get Friday, Saturday, two days off as you do with... Um, or you don't even have to do that. If you had it on Friday because Saturday... Um, is the final both final four games you get Sunday off in the national title? Why not have it on a Friday? And final four games on Friday night, perfect. And then you get the national championship on a Sunday night, perfect. Everyone can watch national championship. The same thing. Why do we have national championships on Tuesdays and Wednesdays in football? It's absolutely ridiculous. They play one game a week. They play on Saturday. Why is the national championship not on a Saturday? It's just, I mean. It's unbelievable. That's just something else I, I can't control. Um, so there's that. There's the one big thing that I saw this week. If I could steal a page from Scott Van Pelt's book, it's veteran teams through and through. And speaking of veterans, who are often underappreciated by the vast majority of the public, there are a few people, like myself, who do appreciate the presence of veteran players, people who have already been there before, who have already proven themselves. They have a little bit of age, so there's some question marks there, but you know their ability and their intellect is true. There are two veterans out there, not in basketball. We, we've switched topics now. Um, 
that are no that are underappreciated as well, being Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel in baseball. They're both free agents, still unsigned, and really no heat whatsoever. There's really not much interest from any teams in Dallas Keuchel or Craig Kimbrell, which is it's frustrating to me and it's also confusing. Craig Kimbrell has a career 1.89 ERA. It's ridiculous. And Dallas Keuchel is a former Cy Young winner. Um, so it it doesn't make any Craig. I mean, Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell both had, I guess you could say, somewhat down years last year. Uh, Dallas Keuchel had a rough year in the regular season, and Craig Kimbrell had a rough postseason last year. Um, so I mean, let's get that out of the way. But I don't think they were bad enough to to leave them unsigned into the first week of the season. It's our, we're in April and these guys don't have a team. It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, they did have down years, but nothing to where teams should be so terrified of signing them that they don't have a team in the season. It's absolutely ridiculous. And teams are just so afraid of free agency in the MLB now. We're seeing a new trend of just extending the players you already have rather than trying to add players. It's very, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper we were people were wondering if they were going to have a team going in the into the regular season. And those are star players. You're seeing a lot of teams go to the extension route and keep what they already have rather than add to uh, add to their roster. But there should be teams out there in the MLB that are interested in Craig Kimbrell or Dallas Keuchel. You can never like if conversely in March Madness, you can never have too many veterans on your team. The postseason in baseball is dominated by pitching. And especially in this era, by the bullpen. But, you know, pitching in general, starting pitching, you know, if your closers, your setup guys in the bullpen. Look what the Brewers did last year. I mean, they had their, they had 25 guys on their roster, and, and 18 of them were pitchers. I mean, they, it was just nuts how many, how many uh, you know, bullpen arms are being used today. I don't see how Craig Kimbrell is unsigned. And I think it's a part of, anal- and I don't want to get into a full old man argument. The analytics are ruining everything. But... Teams are, they want guys so they can use in any situation and not a closer. So teams are getting away from having a traditional ninth inning guy to shut down the game. They want a, a reliever that they can throw in in the sixth or the seventh, the eighth, or potentially the, the ninth, or in the first inning. The teams are using openers now. Well, they started last year. Um, you know, and you just, you want a bullpen guy who you can use in any situation, not just one. And I understand that to an extent. You have to have a closer. So what are we, you're telling me that, Trevor Hoffman doesn't have a place in today's uh, MLB. The Sandman, Mariano Rivera. You're telling me there's no value in having Craig Kimbrell or Kenley Jansen or Edwin Diaz. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever why you would. This guy would not have a team. Dallas Keuchel, the same thing. Starting pitching. You know how do you not have? How do you have? How do you have too much starting pitching on one team to where you don't even need to consider Dallas Keuchel? It's unbelievable. So, we are going to list um, some teams that could or should be interested in either Craig Kimbrell or Dallas Keuchel or both, potentially. Because now we've reached the point of the season, and it's only been a week, but for these guys, you're getting close to the point where you you might only have so many options. Where you might have to take a one-year deal and that's it, then you're going through the process again uh, coming this winter. But you're not going to be able, I don't think they have much leverage at at this point um which could be a good thing you know there's there's a pros there's pros and cons to to every situation because now you have you can't really look for that five or six year deal that you wanted 
your options are, you have more options now because more teams I think would be inclined to a one year deal as a rental or maybe a two year deal with a player option in between or three, you know they have I think they have more options but less of what they want it's kind of like uh, you go to a buffet there's more food out there but there's not there's not the lobster that you you wanted when you when you got into your car you're hoping for a five star meal and you found yourself at Golden Corral. Now, while Golden Corral has more dessert options than the French restaurant you were heading to, are they as good as the French restaurant? No. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. So let's just go. I mean, these are the teams that should be interested in Dallas Keuchel or Craig Kimbrell or both. Now, it's number one, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. I could say this team should be interested in both of these players. Now, the Milwaukee Brewers, I'd say both players because they don't have a true number one starter, I feel. Um, and D- Dallas Keuchel, he's not an ace. He's obviously not Scherzer, Sale, Kershaw, Snell, those guys, um, Nola. But he's a number one. He's a solid number one. And they have one of the best bullpens in the league. I mean, you saw it last year how they were just dominating teams and they, they pushed the Dodgers to seven, just bullpenning. I mean, they, it was it was a shock when... Their starters went more than three innings in a game last year. So, and I think, you know, conversely, that helps them. If you have a, a trusted starter, a guy who has World Series experience, mind you, that could take a toll off of, uh, it could take a weight off of the shoulder of your bullpen and you can save them, you know, for the rest of the series. And I think that makes them stronger going into a seven game series. I think that'd make them much better. And then Craig Kimbrell also, I think they could be interested or should be interested. In both of these guys, because they use their bullpen so much, and because their bullpen is uh, banged up right now, Corey Knebel is done for the year. He has Tommy John. Jeremy Jeffress, the angriest man in all the sports, uh, he's currently injured right now. You don't know how well he's going to be when he comes back. Josh Hader, I mean, he's fantastic, but he's only one guy, um, and they're using him as their closer right now, which I like, but part of their philosophy was using guys for all different kinds of scenarios. Last year, they had Josh Hader coming in the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, seventh, it just in any possible situation. And I'm talking about last year, specifically in the NLCS. If you add Craig Kimbrell, you take a weight off of Josh Hader, and then you can have him in any kind of situation. Then with Jeremy Jeffress comes back healthy, then you can throw him in different situations. Um, and I, I, I just think they could be, they should be interested in both Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell. Specifically Craig Kimbrell, because of the way they use their bullpen, um, it would make Josh Hader an even more unstoppable weapon because you wouldn't have to save him for the ninth. You could throw him in there in the seventh. And Josh Hader is a guy who can throw multiple innings. Uh, I think the lo- the longest outing he had last year in the, in the postseason was, I think, three innings, which is pretty good because that's about the average length their starters were going. So, I mean, that's the, if you get a reliever with three innings, that's, that's pretty good work. So I think specifically they should go after Dallas Keuchel, me personally, because you need starting pitching to even get to the, the postseason. Um, but both of these guys could be a big asset for the Brewers. The next team, also both guys, uh, Keiko and Kimbrel, the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, they brought in uh, David Robertson in the offseason. He struggled. Again, I know it's only one week of baseball. There's a long, long way to go. We're not even in summer yet, but David Robertson has struggled. Uh, they have Sir Anthony Dominguez, who I really like. I'm a big fan of his. But you can, again, you can never have too much pitching, I feel. Um, and their starters are not great. I did say that they were probably another starter away from being true World Series contenders uh, as far as winning it. I still think they have the, probably the best roster in the NL anyway. 
Uh, I think they're tied for the best record in the NL with the Dodgers, or maybe they do have the best record in the NL right now. So they're already good. But again, any player you add is just going to make you better. I don't see why teams, you know, they're in baseball specifically, why teams aren't trying to make themselves better by adding free agents. Um, and it doesn't have, again, at this point, it doesn't have to be a three, four, five year deal. It can be a one or a two year deal. Um, and you can bring in uh, Dallas Keuchel because right now the Phillies, they're, kind of, they're relying on Aaron Nola a lot. Jake Arrieta has been, you know, on the kind of a downhill uh, since like two years ago. I think he pitches today. I'm not sure. I think Jerry, Jake Arrieta starts today or tomorrow. Um, I'll have to double check on that for you. But after that, it's like Scott Kingery. They don't have they don't have a lot of starters, a lot of good starters. So you'd add Dallas Keuchel, and then you're talking about Jake Arrieta as your number three. That is a pretty formidable st- uh, starting rotation. Uh, you have Craig Kimbrell as your your bona fide closer. That's your guy, and then you can move mix and match David Robertson, take some pressure off of him. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, the same thing. I think this would only make too much sense for the Phillies. Especially, they were talking about all offseason long, we're going to spend stupid money. We're going to go get Machado and Harper and just everyone. And they got Harper. And then that was it. They haven't done... Well, that's not true because they did get Gene Segura and JT Romuto. Uh, It just fits because they have brought in guys, but I think there's still steps to be taken if you're the Philadelphia Phillies. I don't think they should be done yet. Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell, both out there. I think they fit for... um, I think both of those players fit for the Phillies. Next up, the Atlanta Braves. Now, another team, though, I think they can add both guys. Mike Fultonevich is injured right now. Uh, he's not done for the year like, uh, you know, uh, Corey Knable is. But, you know, it, like it's nice to have Dallas. Like I said, you need starting pitching. I don't understand why. It used to be the opposite in baseball where you could, I mean, Pitchers were just invaluable. I mean, that's exactly like starting pitching just dominated. That's what you needed to win the World Series. Now it's bullpen, and you have two great pitchers on the market who, for, for nothing, just collecting dust. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, the Braves, a place where Craig Kimbrell used to play, used to pitch for the Braves, I think it makes a lot of sense to bring uh, bring him back. You take a lot of pressure off Erodis Vizcai. You know, I know I keep saying you take a lot of pressure off of these guys, but it's true because when you have enough, all these teams do not have a true starter. All the teams that I've listed. There are teams on here, which I'll get to in a minute, who do have uh, closers. Did I say starters earlier? I meant closers. All these, the teams that I've listed before do not have a, a bona fide closer. Uh, so I putting Craig Kimbrell there just makes your whole bullpen better. There are teams on this list, which I'm going to get to, who do have closers, but I do think they could still use Craig Kimbrell as a dominant setup guy or potentially as a you know mix and match closer. Uh, but anyway, the Braves, I think they could really add... They could use Dallas Keuchel as a starter. Again, another guy with postseason World Series experience. Craig Kibrell, another guy who's played in Atlanta and also has World Series experience from last year with the Red Sox. Uh, I think the Braves should make a move on both of those guys. And now getting into teams that I think should add one guy. Maybe not both, but potentially one. Um, I don't see a fit for both of them because either they have a good bullpen and not a good starting rotation or vice versa. Their starting rotation is not very good, but they have a solid bullpen uh the red sox i said earlier in the show to start the show they are horrendous right now they are the worst team in baseball again it's not a huge you know defcon 5 situation but you got to do something it's specifically their starting rotation um so that's why i know you're thinking oh bring back craig kimbrell 
Um, you know, he's a big part of their, well, actually he wasn't a big part. He had a horrible postseason last year. I think that's what kind of scares them away from re-signing Craig Kimbrell is how bad his postseason was last year. But their starters right now are terrible. MLB worst ERA is among, among starters. And Matt Barnes, who has taken over the, the closing duties for Craig, Craig Kimbrell, and they've, they also lost Joe Kelly, so they had to bump up some guys in their bullpen. It's not the problem. It's really not their bullpen. It's their starters that are just putting them in holes in the first three or four innings. Nathan Avaldi's been horrendous. David Price, the same thing. I think they could really benefit from adding Dallas Keuchel. Um, I don't know if they can bring back Craig Kimbrell just because he was on the team last year. That is, they, if, if they were going to bring back Craig Kimbrell because he was on the team last year, he would have already been signed. So I don't. that's not going to happen. But I do think they should give some kind of consideration to Dallas Keuchel. And then think, once all these, once all these guys get going on all cylinders, Nivaldi, Price, and even Sale has been struggling as well, you have another, that just gives you another weapon in Dallas Keuchel. So you, ha- you bring in this guy, have him right the ship for now, and then once everyone kind of gets over the little World Series hangover that looks like they're suffering from right now, then you're just an even deeper team. I don't understand why teams aren't trying to get better. I never understand why teams are afraid to spend money to win World Series in baseball, or in any sport for that matter. It doesn't make much sense to me. The next team, the, the Bronx Bombers, the New York Yankees, the same exact situation I think Dallas Keuchel fits in with the Yankees better than Craig Kimbrell because they already have like too many arms in that bullpen. It would just make it a lot more confusing. And they have a role as Chapman, so I don't see how, yeah, I don't see him re- uh, relinquishing the the closer role unless Aaron Boone wants to go to righty lefty closer matchups. Uh, uh, I don't I don't hate that, but when you have a closer like a role as Chapman, who's I mean he's just dominant. You don't bring in another guy like that, so. I don't see Craig Kimbrell to the Yankees. I do see Dallas Keuchel. They have J.A. Happ. They have uh, Big Maple, one of the best nicknames in sports, uh, James Paxton. But after that, they don't have uh, Luis Severino. Another, like I said earlier in the show, also, the Yankees are really banged up. They're missing Severino. Uh, CeCe Sabathia looks like he's, you know, he's more focused really on his farewell tour than winning a World Series right now. I think it would benefit them to bring in Dallas Keuchel uh, as, and write the the starting rotation for right now. Then you think you have like a lot of options coming in the postseason once uh, Sevy comes back. Then you can have a decision who you want to start for game one. Um, Luis Severino, Dallas Keiko, potentially Masahiro Tanaka. So, and also bringing in Dallas Keiko again, he's going to win you games during the regular season. And the Yankees don't want to go to a third straight wild card game. You want to start off with the series. I don't see how the Yankees would want to go to another wild card game, do or die win the division this year and adding Dallas Keuchel is going to buy you some time until Luis Severino comes out and he's not coming back till I think the end of April so it's going to be a little while it's going to be a few more weeks I would like to see Dallas Keuchel in pinstripes the only problem with that is he'd have to shave his fantastic beard Dallas Keuchel's got a great beard um you know it's well kept it's like a James Harden beard but red but also well kept he'd have to get rid of that which is kind of a bummer but I think it would really help out the Bombers in all seriousness. Uh, and then the last two teams here, uh, the Washington Nationals. Conversely, I don't think they need Craig Kimbrell necessarily. They have Scherzer. They have Strasburg. They have Corbin. Uh, you know, they already have three guys who are potentially all number ones. Scherzer and Strasburg, definitely. Patrick Corbin, meh, maybe a more, more so of a two-starter, but... I don't see them adding Dallas Keuchel to that because they already have three good starters. What they could add is Craig Kimbrell. They bumped down Sean Doolittle, who's been shaky at times. He's one of the better closers in the game, but he's not Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell, people, people 
always remember what they saw last, which is just human nature. He had a bad, I mean, a bad World Series and postseason, but he lifetime, he's a Hall of Famer. He's probably a first ballot Hall of Famer is Craig Kimbrell. He is dominant. And I think if you bump down Sean Doolittle and you give you have a number one dominant closer in your bullpen, I think that helps out the Nationals a lot. And they are in a very tough, probably the toughest division in baseball. As we discussed last week, you have the Nationals, the Mets, the Braves. Uh, you know, who am I missing from that, that division? Oh, the Phillies as well. I mean, that, te- that division is loaded. I don't see why they couldn't use a closer like Craig Kimbrell. And again, a one-year deal, what do you have to lose? I don't understand. I don't see how, how teams are afraid of even a one-year deal. And perhaps they're not. It could be that Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell don't want to go through a one-year deal and then have to repeat this whole process again next year. That could be the case. Um, at this point, I don't, see, I don't think they have very many options. I think they would have to take um, a one-year deal. And, all the, and like I said, they give themselves more options. All these teams are good teams. I didn't throw out the Orioles or the Marlins here. These are all good teams that are potential World Series contenders. So at the very least, you know, they'll have an opportunity to play on the postseason and, you know, in uh, Craig Kimbrell's case, write the ship and, and rewrite the narrative that's been uh, thrown against them and, and prove to people that they can pitch in the postseason. And the last team I have here is the most outside chance of signing either of these guys, but I think they should definitely take a look uh, at one of these guys being Craig Kimbrell, the Dodgers. Okay, the Dodgers are right now are 5-2 and two in their first seven games uh, of the season. Two games that they have, the two games that they have lost have both been charged to the bullpen, specifically Joe Kelly. Again, early in the season, Joe Kelly pitched in the late last year. Well, so did the entire Dodgers pitching staff, so that's not much of an excuse. But, you know, we'll give Joe Kelly a pass for now. It's only one week. But there was problems last year with the Dodgers bullpen without Joe Kelly, specifically in Kenley Jansen. Uh, and this is why I say it's such an outside chance because Kenley Jansen is the closer for the Dodgers. He's not. I don't see him like roll, a roll this chat, but I don't see him getting bumped down, you know, for Craig Kimbrell. Um, would you? Would Craig Kimbrell be open to a setup role? Kind. Of, I mean, it'd basically be like it'd be the the Red Sox bullpen from last year. You'd have Joe Kelly and Craig Kimbrell, but you know, except he's not the star, the closer anymore. You'd have Kenley Jansen. Uh, I don't. I don't see either sides potentially having much interest, but I because of that, because of Kenley Jansen, he is the Dodgers closer, and I don't think Ken, uh, Craig Kimbrell is going to uh, willingly take a back seat to Kenley Jansen. But I do think it is worth a look for the Dodgers because again, you can never have too many, too many um, bullpen arms back there. Their bullpen has struggled in the past two World Series. Uh, in Houston, they got lit up by George Springer, specifically Brandon Morrow. And last year, Kenley Jansen got lit up by everybody. So I do think, it, and the two games that they've lost this year have both been charged to the bullpen. So I do, I do think it is worth a look if you're the Dodgers, but I don't think they are likely to make a move on Craig Kimbrell because they already have a, uh, a bona fide closer in Kenley Jansen. And I don't see them going after Dallas Keuchel because they, they already have a, like too many starters. They have Clayton Kershaw, Rich Hill, uh, Walker Bueller, Kenta Maeda, Hunjin Ryu, Julio Rios, and Ross Stripling. That's seven guys in a five-guy rotation. And a lot of those guys are injured right now. Uh, Kershaw is making his minor league start today. Rich Hill is hurt right now. Um, so that's why they have Urias and Stripling in the starting rotation right now. And he's a left-hander, is Dallas Keuchel. They already have 
Kershaw, Hill, and Ryu, who are three left-handers. I don't think you want to add another left-hander in there and then have Bueller as your fifth guy. Um, so I don't, I don't see them going after Dallas Keiko. I really don't see them going after Craig Kimbrell, but I do think it is worth a look if you are the Dodgers. So those are all the teams. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams who I think should look at either Craig Kimbrell or Dallas Keuchel or both. Now time for the quote of the week. So time for the quote of the week. We close out every single show, except for the last two. We haven't had a quote of the week for the last two weeks because we've had really strong shows, I felt, and we didn't kind of need that quote of the week. It was already over an hour anyway, so I just said, you know, there weren't great quotes in the past two weeks. Why, why throw something in there? We already have a good show. This week, the show is most likely terrible, and uh, there's a great quote. Uh, one of my favorite athletes. I'm just such a, a huge fan. I was excited. When I got this quote, because I knew immediately this was this was the quote of the week. It was it was such a simple decision. It's kind of like the Clay Thompson one, where I'm just a huge fan, and it's just easy for me to throw it in at the end of the show. So here we go. Let's close it out real strong. Quote: I was like, let me just hit this and walk off into the final four. Sabrina Ionescu, after hitting a dagger three to destroy Mississippi State in the Elite Eight, uh, Sabrina Ionescu. For those, of you, for those of you who do not know, and you should because she is a baller. You, Sabrina Ionescu is one of my favorite basketball players right now. I mean, it's just so much fun to watch. Uh, she plays for the Oregon Ducks, and they are in the final four of the NCAA tournament. They play Baylor tomorrow night at Friday. Or tomorrow night. Tomorrow is Friday. Uh, tomorrow night, 7 Eastern. I was reading. I said tomorrow night, then I was reading Friday as well. But they play tomorrow against Baylor. Um, I love the Oregon program. There's so much. Fun. I love Sabrina Ionescu. She's a, a baller. Sabrina, I mean, excuse me, Stephen Curry called her the walking triple double. And she is, she has, get this, how's this for a stat? She has more triple doubles than any other player, man or woman, in college basketball history. She has more triple doubles than anyone who has ever played college basketball. Let that sink in. She is a baller she can do it all she can shoot from three she can score at the rim she can pass rebound obviously she's so much fun to watch i cannot wait to watch this game uh tomorrow i will be now with other sports i try not to have a rooting interest i'll be honest with you sometimes i do like i said i will be rooting for a virginia and texas tech national championship in the men's tournament there are times when i have a rooting interest but for the most part i try to keep things unbiased i try to give you my my Honest, unadulterated opinion. No fan service. I mean, just what I feel. But in this case, I am absolutely rooting 1,000% for the Oregon Ducks to win the national title in the women's tournament, specifically because of Sabrina Ionescu. And I've said in the past, um, you know, I'm just so, it's just a really upsetting and infuriating, the jokes that people have, you know, for, for... for female basketball players, it's it's just nauseating. We have to stop, and I don't. I shouldn't even say we because I. It's. Hang on, let me back up here for a second. It is a we problem because we just let people slide. When we see people, you know, in the, in the reply section on Twitter under Bleacher Report, you know, the kitchen jokes, the sound. Stop it! You're just. It's so obnoxious and stupid i'm so sick and tired of seeing that stuff because there are i mean just straight up ballers i mean sabrina ionescu she's she's just a hooper she just i don't know how else to 
describe, you know, she she just plays ball and she's really, really good. The WNBA has ballers as well. Elena Deladon, uh, Brianna Stewart. Those are two of my favorite players in the WNBA. And I just wanted to give her, you know, because no one's talking about the women's tournament. They're really not. And Sabrina Ionescu is not just, you know, one of my favorite players. She is, but she's the biggest star left quite possibly in college basketball. Uh, there's no Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, obviously. Uh, Kentucky's out, so you know they usually have some stars. Uh, UConn is not the traditional powerhouse, unbeatable, the, the death star that they normally are in women's college basketball. Sabrina Ionescu is the biggest star left in college in either Final Four. So I think it's it's unfair that people aren't paying attention to the women's side of the tournament because there are bigger star names in the women's side right now. And I'm going to watch both sides of the tournament. I can't wait to see Sabrina Ionescu. I really hope they better win now. I'm gassing them up so much. They better win in this uh, semifinal. And I obviously, I cannot wait for Texas Tech, uh, Michigan State, and potentially, I hope, a Virginia and Texas Tech national championship. National championship. So I wanted to throw Sabrina Ionescu in, uh, into the quote of the week. Because also, just look at the quote. I was like, let me just hit this and walk off into the final four. That is cold-blooded right there. That is Kobe Bryant confidence, assassin's mentality. And it, they were already up three. They didn't necessarily need a three because they were already up. And she, she just threw up a dagger. And she did. She walked it off. She shot it and just left the premises. And the game was done. It was over. She was finished with it. So it, it was a great shot if you saw it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it at Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, they played Mississippi State, so you can see that shot. Just ended the game. It was done, and I mean, it was it was just so great. Can't wait to watch her tomorrow night, um, and that is the show. So shout out to Sabrina Ionescu. Good luck to the Ducks. I'm going to be rooting for them, uh, making no bones about it. Uh, and that is the show for this week. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, or Spotify, which you may already be doing. Um, enjoy the games this weekend. There's Women's uh, Final Four, as I just said, Men's Final Four. Obviously, there's going to be baseball every single day. Um, So enjoy the games this week, and I will talk to you next week. I'll see you next Thursday. I won't see you because I never see you anyway. I'll talk to you uh, next Thursday.